Let me ask you a, a question. Have you, ever, have you ever had something happen in life that really surprised you to the point that you just went, you got to be kidding me. I mean, one of those things that really surprised you, that was a wow moment, and you just didn't expect it. Now, it, it could have been, I'm talking about something good. So it, it could have been a, an, an unexpected blessing that came in from, maybe it was an inheritance, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was a, a, a bonus uh, at work, um, maybe it could have just been something that somebody just looked at you and said, man, I just want to bless you today, and it was just something that just, you just went, wow, man, I can't believe that happened. I can't, I can't even believe that somebody would even think so much of me or my family to even bless us that much. Have you ever, anybody ever had something like that happen? Y'all are some sick people, man. <laughs> I mean, you mean to tell me nobody loves you enough to do something special for you? Maybe you just don't think it's special. Man, I think, man, when somebody does something special, you got to, I, I think it's a big deal. I've had lots of opportunities of little things. Sometimes they're big, big things. I remember after Abby was born, um, you know, when that first baby is born, you don't ever want the babies to lose, you know, leave your sight, right? And so we're out, I'm outside in the yard and I'm working and Meredith comes out and she hands me the phone and she looks at me and she goes, don't you dare mess this up. And I'm like, well, what in the world's all this about? Well, I'm thinking, my goodness gracious. So I get on the phone, and there's this person on the phone, and they just said, Sid, listen, we want you guys to know we love you tremendously. Um, we want to do something really special for you guys. And um, my husband and I, we've already made the arrangements. The only thing you have to do is tell me, yes, and Meredith is standing right there, <laughs> standing right there. And I'm saying, like, well, what do I have to say yes to? What am I fixing to get myself in trouble? They said, well, we've already made arrangements. I'm sitting here. Uh, plane flights are ready to go. Um, we've made arrangements in New York City. Uh, you have tickets to the Rockettes. You have these dinner arrangements that have been made. Uh, this is where you'll be staying. This is, this is how you're going to get there. This is how you're going to be riding when you get there. And uh, this is another show that you'll go see. And this is, this is your spending money. And I'm sitting there like going, and I'm looking at Meredith. She's going, I And I said, but don't you know we've got, we've got Abby that was at Mary said, I don't really care. <laughs> Baby, who's going to watch her? Somebody will, you know. <laughs> and I said, I, don't really, I really don't have a choice. It's either go say yes or get a divorce, one or the other. <laughs> Not every day something like that happens, right? But what a blessing for us. But you know, just the opposite of that. Sometimes there's that news that we get and it's not that blessing. Sometimes it's that kick in the gut. Sometimes it's not good news. Sometimes it's bad news. Sometimes it's really unexpected news. The death of a friend, a loved one, health news, sickness, disease, Maybe it's you found out that your spouse was cheating on you. Maybe it was 
your spouse walking in and saying, I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe it's news having to do with a child. I don't know if there's anything that really can be more heartbreaking than the news of a, a wayward child. Maybe it's news about finances. Maybe it's a kid that's gotten in trouble. Maybe it's somebody's been arrested. But this is what I know. If you live long enough, somewhere along the line, something's going to hit you where you're going to get that phone call, you're going to get that text, and something's going to take your breath away, and you're going to be faced with, what am I going to do next? It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter how old you are, what your name is, where you live, what kind of car you drive, the amount of money you have in your back pocket. Every one of us in this room will at some point in time face something like that. And as we've been walking through the book of Ecclesiastes, we know that even Solomon, with all of his wisdom and all of his power, and everything that he had, that he himself was not immune to difficulty. We see that. But what we're going to find today in the book of Ecclesiastes is that even in the midst of hardship and difficulty and sufferings that we may face, that we can find peace. We can find peace that is beyond our human wisdom and understanding. That when those times that hit us that are unpredictable and we can't seem to, we can't seem to, to put our hand on it and control it is out of, when it's uncertain, that we can grow in our faith and trust in God. That we can learn to trust in His sovereignty and His goodness. So as we start today, man, I'd love to be able to pray over you because I don't have a clue what you may be facing in this room. But I do know, I probably suppose that what we're going to talk about today and what God's Word has to say applies to every one of us. So can we pray? Father, this is what I ask that as we spend our time focused on your word and reading what your word has to say, that there would be no story that I tell in this room today that will be what motivates, what pricks our hearts, what challenges us, but it will be the word of God that speaks because it is what is powerful. It is more powerful than a two-edged sword, that it cuts and it divides. Father, I pray today it would be your word that encourages us. I would pray that even this morning, Father, that it would be your word that brings us to a place of repentance, of seeing where we have fallen short, where we have sinned, to cry out to you, God, ask for forgiveness, and to turn towards you. Thank you for your word. May it speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's Solomon looking back, and we're going to be back in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Here's Solomon, near the end of his life, he's reflecting back, probably with this attitude of humility, I want to say. Um, I want to be able to say that, not really knowing, but asking the question, where in the, wor where in the world is true satisfaction? I mean, because here's the guy that has it all. Um, yet he's so unfulfilled and so empty. I mean, he's at this place in life. I mean, he should be able to just sort of rock and roll and move along, and yet he's so empty and he's so unfulfilled. And it's like he's saying, man, is this, is this all there is? I mean, isn't there more? 
I mean, isn't there more to life than this? I mean, I would think that there is, but, but where is it at? So with that being said, let's look at what he has to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And really, there are going to be two things that I want to, two sort of, I guess, broad over points today. The first I want you to write down is this. Life is unpredictable, but God is in control. You can write that down. Life is unpredictable, but God is in control. And if you want to go ahead and write the second one down, that'll be a little bit later. That'll start with chapter, or verse 7. The second overarching thought is life is hard, but God is good. So life is unpredictable, but God is in control. Life is hard, but God is good. Life is unpredictable, but God is good. And look at what he says here, starting in verse 1 of chapter 11. Send your grain across the sea, and in time, profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places. Now, for those of you that are financial gurus, listen to what he says here. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, you cannot understand the activity of God, who does all things. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you do not know it will profit. What, for you do not know it, if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. So the first thing I want you to write down up under this section is this. <laughs> we don't know what will happen next. There's four times he used, you don't understand or we don't know in this, in this little thing. And I've added a, I've added a couple of little points that I, I want to be able to make note of. But the, the first thing I want you to, to recognize is this, the reward is uncertain. Look at what he says in verse 1. Send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you. Have you ever heard, your, ever heard the phrase, cast your bread up upon the water? It's like, uh, it's like sending off your sailing vessels. We don't really know exactly what he meant, but it's like... It's like an investment in sailing vessels, and you send them off with the, with the hope and the thought that maybe one day they're going to come back, and there's going to be a, a, a reward for what you've done. You'll patiently wait back, and there's going to be a return. And the thought is this, that it is wise to work recognizing that the return don't, doesn't always or won't always be immediate. Very important. Just because you don't get a pay raise tomorrow doesn't mean that you stop working or you quit working and, and be a hard worker. You know, sometimes we want to, don't, we want to complain or we want to gripe or we're just going to say, I'm just going to give up because you don't get a raise or, or you don't get maybe a promotion. You just want to quit. No. Listen, you've got to recognize that it may not be immediate. It may be something that's down the line. And here's another thought behind this. Catch your bread upon the water may mean be always ready to do good because there may come a day when you will be rewarded for it. So regardless, be faithful. Be very, very faithful in doing things now with the possibility of rewards coming later. We don't like the word later, though, do we? We want it now. Give it to me now. Doesn't mean for sure, but it's the possibility of rewards coming later. The second thought is we don't know what bad things, bad things might happen. So look at what he says in verse 2. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk may lie ahead. 
Now again, we don't really understand or really know, but maybe it's this. Be a wise steward of the resources that God has given you. Because you don't ever know what trouble may lie ahead. Be wise and have a contingency plan. If you want to think about the area of finances, how many of you guys have your $1,000 saved up, Dave Ramsey would say. How many of you guys have a contingency plan? You've got a little $1,000 saved up over here on the side. When there is an emergency, or do you just live day by day? Do you have some type of a contingency plan set aside when something bad happens unexpectedly? Another thought is this. Be generous while you have the resources because you never know when a time may come when you need somebody to be generous to you. But the underlying thought here is is this. We don't know. We don't have a clue what lies ahead. How many times have you seen where people, man, have hit it, and they're expecting to hit it again, and the again just doesn't come? Third thought. Some things never change. Some things never change. Verse 3, when clouds are heavy, the rains come down. When a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. (laughs) And some things are just inevitable, guys. Listen, When the clouds are dark, it's gonna, hello, I'm looking outside, it's probably gonna, when a tree falls north or south, guess what, it's gonna lie there until somebody either picks it up or it rots, that's what's gonna happen, some things never change. Write this down. The person who waits for certainty waits forever. Verse 4, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. Man, listen, if you're waiting for all things to be perfect, you're going to wait a long time. You're going to wait an awful long time. You'll never get anything done. Look at what he says there in verse 5. Just as you cannot understand the path of wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb... So you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Write this down. We don't know what God might do. They say there's two things you can't escape. What are they? And Jesus coming back. Add another one to that, please. Death and taxes. And Jesus coming back. We just don't know. There's no, no, no way to know which way the wind's going to come from or the which way the wind's going. Technology, now we can see a tiny baby in a mother's womb. But man, it's difficult for us to, us to be able to understand the mysteries of God. In the same way, we don't know what God is going to do. It's difficult for us to understand the activity of God. We don't understand His thoughts. We don't understand His ways is what the Scripture has to say. But this is what we know, that God is in control. Why does God do or not do some of the things that he does? Who can understand the activity of God? Verse 6, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe, or maybe both. Write this down. We don't know what God, what good things might happen. And he's saying, listen, don't be lazy. Don't be a slacker, but work. Work hard day and night because we never know when the, when the payoff might be. There's so many things that are, that are so unpredictable, so much hoping, so much uncertainty. 
But in the same way, we don't know what good things might happen. And so this, this whole time, up until this point, Solomon's saying, listen, man, life is unpredictable. But believe it or not, life is not random. Life may be unpredictable. Life may be uncertain. But life is not random. It's not out of control or as out of control as we, it may seem. Because God is in control. Which leads us to a, a second thought that God has a plan. Believe it or not, in the midst of everything that's going on, God has a plan. Look at what he says in the second half of verse 5. So you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. You ever, what would the world be like if God were to take his hand off? God is at work in the world. Turn over to the book of John in the New Testament. Let me show you a passage of Scripture. The book of John, John chapter 5, verse 17. And I, want, I just want to show you this. And if you're really fast and you're really good at flipping through the Bible and you want to impress people, then you can flip back over to uh, put your finger in, in John and then flip back over to the book of Psalms, Psalms, Psalms 135. But in the book of John, this is what it reads. Jesus said, my father is always at work and so am I. God just didn't create the world and say, man, listen, I'm taking a break. I'm done. He's always at work. He's always at work. God is at work around us. He's always at work. Psalms 135.6 says this, the Lord does whatever he pleases. Whatever pleases him throughout all heaven and earth and on the seas and in their depths. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, Solomon himself said, I realize that no one can discover everything that God is doing under the sun. No matter, no matter what they think, it's impossible. It's impossible for, to, for us to be able to see all, for us to understand or see all the things that God is doing in and around us. But God created everything. God just didn't make some of it, but the Bible teaches us that God was the creator of everything. John 1.3 says that God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. God is at work, and he created everything, and also didn't just create everything, but sustains it as well. Colossians 1.17, he holds all creation together, all creation together, preventing it from total chaos, destruction. Wow. And annihilation. So here's God not only creating it at work inside of it, but keeping it all going. Can you imagine what it would be like if He were to take His hand off of it? Which leads us to understand that God has and is in control. He controls everything. That word sovereign means that it's, He is absolute. He is in utter control. He is in utter power and control. Psalms 115.3, our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. Psalms, Proverbs 16.9, and I love this. We can make our plans, but it's the Lord who determines our steps. I mean, you can make your plans, but the Lord is the one that determines your steps as you go. Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. 
And God has a plan for you. Not just a plan, but God has a plan specifically for you and your life. You've heard that passage of scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And then Isaiah 14, 24, it will all happen as I have planned. It will be as I have decided. In other words, God is working out a plan that began before eternity. God just doesn't make things up on the fly, people. Okay, let's just see what I'm going to do today. He's not like that. He's got a plan, and he's carrying it out. So those of us that are believers, those of us that have placed our faith in Christ and believe that God's word is true, we don't have to respond to what's happening in the moment and fly off the handle. We don't, we don't have to be wishy-washy in our faith. We don't have to lose control in the midst of the uncertainty. We don't have to, to just lose it, guys, in the midst of the difficulty or the suffering or whatever it may be that we may be walking through at that time. Because God knows exactly what's going on. He's got a plan. God's in control. We don't have to try to figure it out nor even make sense of it because it's impossible many times to do that. I mean, how many times do I sit down and say, okay, let me see if I can understand what God is doing at this moment. And I go, God, I just don't know. I can't figure it out. Why would you do something like this? I can't understand your ways. It doesn't make any sense. So what's my responsibility then? I mean, if, if God's in control and God's got a plan, then what's, what should I be doing? How should I live? By faith. Man, we don't like that word, do we? I mean, if, if, if here it is in the midst of life, as God is in control and God's got a plan, what am I supposed to do? You mean to tell me when things don't go the way that I want them to go, that I'm supposed to just respond by faith? Man, that's tough. I don't know if I agree with that. What happens if it doesn't start headed the way that I want it to head? What happens if times get tough and man, all of a sudden I begin to, to feel a little pain as a result of the pressure? Faith, not myself, not my abilities, forsaking all I will trust Him. I don't have enough fingers. Say that, forsaking all I trust. Yeah. Forsaking all I trust. Yeah. Remember that. Remember it. Don't walk away from it. When you're in the midst of the difficult time and it's not going the way that you want it to go, ask yourself, forsaking all I trust Him. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. Not my intuition, not my feelings, not my internet, intellect. Not my networking abilities, not my looks, which some of us would be unwise to do that. I have nothing else to stand on but you, Lord, nothing else. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Who cares? God isn't logical. But as unpredictable as it may be, 
I will cling to the hope that God is in control and what Jesus Christ did on the cross. There is no faith until your faith has been tested. Do you hear me? There is no faith until your faith has been tested. Say that with me. There is no faith until your faith has been tested. You can say you believe whatever. But man, listen, until your faith is tested, that's when, it's, that's when it goes to work. Man, I believe that Jesus is Lord. Show me. Show me. I believe that Jesus is in control. Show me. I believe that Jesus has, has a plan. Show me. I believe that Jesus is good. Show me. Show it to me. I believe that Jesus is he's working all things for good. Man, it's a whole lot different story when you're having to live that out and work it out. It's that moment when you're holding on and you're trusting him and it's not logical and it doesn't make sense, yet you still do it because you believe and you are living in faith. It's that moment when, man, everything that you have said, I believe, it's put to the test. And maybe you've never had that. But I have. I've had those moments when I've wanted to run the opposite direction. There have been those moments when I have ran the opposite direction. That's not an amen, that's an oh me. But I know of some others of you that have done the exact same thing. Think about this question just for a second. If I believe that God is in control, then how might my faith and trust in God impact how we might relate to the various stresses and storms that we might face? So if I say that God is in control and He's Lord of my life, then how might that decision that I say with my mouth, how might that, how might my faith in Christ affect how I respond to those times of stresses and strains and difficulty that I face or will face. How does it affect? That's a question. How does it affect us? Maybe gives us what? Maybe does what? Peace? That's good, Mickey. What else? How does it, I mean, how does your faith help you? How does it help you through those difficult times? What does it provide for you? What, Mike? Stability, Stability? foundation, no wavering, responding. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Responding in thankfulness. Somebody else said something? Confidence, Confidence? courage, yeah. What'd you say? Comfort? Yeah, I mean, think about that. Peace, confidence, courage, hope. Patience motivates us to be obedient. Comfort amidst the storms. I mean, don't we know the right answers? I mean, I think we, if you've walked with the Lord any period of time, we may know the right answers. But think about your life this past week and some of the things that you faced. How have you responded? How have you responded? I mean, if, 
Yeah, I mean, how have you responded? I mean, if Jesus is who he says he is, and you're for faith, you're walking by faith, I mean, how has your faith impacted your life this past week? I mean, have you responded by peace and confidence and courage and hope and patience and long-suffering? And I mean, man, have you been motivated by your faith to be obedient to the Lord even when it didn't make sense to forgive when you didn't want to forgive? How did you respond? There's an old song, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. Do you believe that God is in control? Not knowing what will happen next, do you believe that God has a plan? Are you moving ahead and living by faith? Are you taking back the reins and trying to control things? You know, this is what I've come to learn in my own life. You know what is a huge motivating factor in our lives? It's fear. (laughs) And fear. I'm afraid. Leanne, I'm afraid of what other people may think. I'm, a, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid of, you know, Dina, what, what people may say. I'm afraid of the outcome, what may happen. I mean, what happens if I lose my job for, for doing what's right? What's, 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 the, you know, what's the cost? What's the cost for, for being a man of God and standing up for what's right? I'm afraid. And I go back and look at what the scripture meant as I take my own life and I look at it. You know what? I've, I've, I've sort of summarized it all. And in my own personal walk, I've been able to summarize it and, and, and just bring it all down. And you know where all of that stuff comes from? You know what the bottom line is? It's pride. Pride. That's exactly where it's at. Pride. And you know what the scripture has to say about pride, right? Pride comes before what? Destruction. Two words, two words, and some of these words, two of these two words I've shared with some of you guys personally. I've had the opportunity to share two of these words that I found in my life when I was walking through times like this, Um, when I was walking through times and had to walk through identifying, man, I was afraid of this or I was afraid of that, and God brought me to a place of just looking me in the eye, and and here I am, me and him, and it's just nobody else, just me and him, and and I learned, man, you're, you're prideful. And I learned two words God taught me that day. And I could take a breath. And those two words were, so what? So what what anybody else thinks? So what what anybody else says? So what if I lose my house? So what? But God, I'm still going to trust you because I believe you are who you say you are. That's the only place I've been able to find peace in the midst of the storm. So what, God? I don't understand it. So what? But it's easy to forget. God loves us and he knows exactly what's going on. It's easy to know it in our heads. That's Solomon. You know it in your head. You can read it in the scripture, but it's a different thing to put it into practice. It's a different thing to live it out. But remember this point. Life is unpredictable, but God is in control. Who is in control? Who is in control? Second point. Life is hard, but God is good. Verse 7. Light is sweet, but how pleasant it is to see the new day dawning. 
When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. But let them also remember there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless. First thought is this. Enjoy life. Verse 7. Light is sweet. Light and life are synonymous. Activity. Solomon's saying, man, listen. Light and life is good. Enjoy it while you can. Anybody ever wake up in the morning and say, "Woo, man, it's a good day to be alive. What a great day it is to be alive. Man, let's, let's just get real for a second. How much time do you have left? Five years? Ten years? Fifteen, twenty? Five days? Five weeks? The Lord is the one that numbers our days. And Solomon is saying this, this, however long it may be, you need to enjoy what time has been allotted to you. Psalms 90, 12 says, teach us, Lord, the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Because you know what, guys? Death is inevitable. She will knock on your door at some point in time. And it's probably going to come at a time that you go, I don't want you. Go away. It's not time. Verse 8, when people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life, but let them also remember there will be many dark days. That word dark synonymous with suffering and trials. When you're young, death seems so far, far away, but every day we live, death moves closer. The older you get, man, the eyesight starts to wane just a little bit. The hearing, you got to go see Paige and take care of your hearing because you can't hear. Maybe you've asked an older person, how are you doing? And they respond, well, I'm just, I'm just glad to be alive. Every day is a blessing from the Lord. The older we get, though, the more difficult it can become. There's an old saying on my mom and dad's wall that says something like this, grow old along with me, the best is yet to be. But the truth is, the older you get, sometimes life becomes more difficult. True? Yeah. The older we get, the more time to experience further heartache and pain. And in the end of verse 8, just in case you've forgotten what Solomon says, he says, listen, everything is meaningless. And in spite of the difficulties and sufferings we might face, God still provides blessings, Gail. Light is sweet is what he says in Genesis. Light, man, listen, in life are blessings that God created. And in James 1.17, it says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. But so many times in the midst of difficulties, it's, it's hard to find the blessings. It's, it's easy for us in the midst of, of good times to take for granted the blessings. And look at what he says in verse 9 about the blessings of being young. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. The days of being young. No cares or worries in the world. Seems like there was enough time to do everything that you wanted to do. There was a lot of get-tos. You remember that? A lot of get-tos when you were younger. Not a lot of have-tos. I get to do this and I get to do that. Now you've got to have to do this and I have to do that. Looking back, it was easier times, and Solomon says, man, listen, enjoy life while you're young. Play hard, but be really careful. 
Be really careful. Enjoy the blessing of, of youthfulness. But while you're enjoying your youthfulness, be, be very, very careful of the choices that you make. Because some of the choices that we make are irreversible. Be very, very careful of some of the choices that we make in our youthfulness because some of the, some of the choices carry consequences that aren't just temporary, but they're, they're lifelong. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And some, not only just lifelong, they're eternal long. Because God's going to judge us. And, but it says in verse 9, but remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. Romans 14, 12, each one of us will give an account. Because God just isn't a good God. But he's also a just, a just God. And he will punish sin. He will punish sin. God doesn't miss anything. He hears everything. He sees everything. And I tell my kids all the time, and he knows everything. He knows a whole lot more than I do, and I know a lot. But he knows a lot more. A lot more. And he finishes up there in verse 10 by saying, So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember the youth. Remember that youth with a whole, with a whole life before you is meaningless is meaningless. Who can add a single day, uh, an hour to your life by worrying? Don't worry. Refuse to worry, but keep your body healthy. But remember that youth with a whole life before you is meaningless. Life is hard. It may not be right now, but it may be around the corner. See, life right now may be pretty easy for you, but there may be something just around the corner that will take your breath away. But remember when that time comes, that as unpredictable as life may be, that, that even in the midst of you don't know what's next, that God is in control, that God has a, has a plan. And that in that moment that you can live by faith because you know that God is good. And you say to me, but how in the world... And you tell me that God is good. Because of my diagnosis of cancer? I just found out that, that um, we're not going to be able to have children. And you're telling me God is good and he's in the midst of that? And that God has a plan for our life? Or the untimely death of my, my father? Or my son? And you mean to tell me that God is in the midst of all that and God is good? Or what about the loss of my job and my finances and how I'm going to provide for my family? And you're telling me that God is in the midst of that? you got to be kidding me. Now, by faith, Scripture says that God is in control. And that's what I have to hold on to. He's in control. God is in control. Who is in control? God is in control. Who is in control? God is in control. Who is in control? God is in control. But do you really believe it? See, when we believe it, 
It affects how we live. It affects the choices that we make. It affects our decisions. If you're a follower of Jesus, expect your faith to be tested. Tim, expect your faith to be tested. Ed, expect your faith to be tested. Rob, expect your faith to be tested. Brian Linton, expect your faith to be tested. Yes. Bill, expect your faith to be tested. And Wes, expect your faith to be tested. You know, Bob Padgett, expect your faith. Expect my faith to be tested. But it's in that testing. God's not testing us. God's not allowing us to walk through that time because he doesn't love us. Man, listen, God's got something in the midst of that He wants to do in our lives. And maybe not in the midst of our lives, but what about in the lives of other people that are watching us? It's all about bringing Him glory. No, it's not easy. It's not something that I want to I throw off on anybody. But expect our faith to be tested. But in the midst of that time, we don't have to run. Just buckle down, baby, and hold on. Buckle it in and surround yourself with some other people that love Jesus. Some other people that will support you in the middle of that. Not some people that's going to sit around and talk about it, but some people that are going to help you and walk with you through that journey in life. That's the body of Christ. That's the family of God. Because every one of us are a step away from stupid at any point in time, and all of us live in glass houses. Isn't that true? Church people don't have perfect lives, people. It doesn't work that way. Expect your faith to be tested. Who's in control? God is in control. Who's in control? God is in control. And if you believe it, it'll affect how you live. But if you don't know Jesus, man... What keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? We talked about it a little while ago. Five-letter word. Pride. I got it. I can handle it. God, if I need you, I'll call you. You better start calling him. Because I promise you need him. And you don't have to have me involved in that process. You have direct access to him. You can go right to him yourself. And you can call upon his name. And the Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Humble yourself before the Lord. Recognize your sin. Call it what it is. Don't call it a mistake. Don't call it a flubber. It's sin. God, I've sinned. I've sinned. And my sin has taken me away from you. Call it what it is. But God, I've recognized that I'm a sinner. And God, I I, want to come to you and I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins because I do believe what the Bible has to say that Jesus did die on a cross. And the Bible does tell me that if I confess my sins before you, That you'll forgive me and you'll clean me up. And I need that. 
I can't save myself. I can't make it happen. I can't come to church enough. I can't give enough. I can't do it all. It's all about you, Jesus. And today I want to trust you and I want to make you Lord of my life. And if that's you today, you can pray that right there where you are. And before you leave, this is the only thing that I ask you to do. If that's you, to have courage enough to take one of those cards in the back of the pew and to write your name and to say, today I trusted Jesus. That's the decision that I want to make. I want to follow Jesus with my life because I'd love to be able to call you, somebody to call you to have a conversation about what that looks like. Who's in control? Expect to be tested. Expect for what you say, your faith, to be tested. And if God's in control and you believe that, it will affect how we choose to live. Can I pray over you? Father, what a great day it is. You continue to teach me, teach me, teach me, day after day. These words are not just, Father, something that just pass over me, around me, but they go through me and deep to my inner being. Because God, you are in control. Father, you are in in control. And our faith and what we say we believe will be tested. And it's more than just verbal. The depths of our faith in you, the depths of our faith are going to be put to the test day by day. And what we believe will be exhibited in how we choose to live. God, I pray that when we face those times, it will be remembered. Forsaking all, I will trust you, God. I will trust you. I will trust you. For those of us that are fearful, Father, we'll remember those two words. So what? We'll identify that, that, that fear as pride and, and we'll be able to, to be honest and say, Lord, so what? So what of, about the, the fears of what others may think or what may happen? But we'd be able to find that peace and the serenity that comes and the courage that comes from saying, so what? Lord, I'm going I'm I'm to focus on you because I believe Help us to leave this place today with a nugget of truth that will help us live out our faith so that we can be billboards for you inside of this community in which we live. I pray, Lord, that we would exemplify Christ this next week. I pray, Lord, as we prepare to go down to that, that lake next week and we, as we break bread, as we celebrate, Lord, what a great day it will be for us to be able to baptize some people that have come to say, I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe it's going to be a great day as we listen to the testimony of one of our own. It says, what a friend I have in Jesus. Jesus, a friend of sinners. Father, I'm even praying now for that offering that we're going to be taking up. Father, I pray that it will honor you, whatever it may be that we can give. May we not give out of guilt or anything else. And Father, even for that women's retreat, Every woman have an opportunity to go. That every man that's in this building and every man that, that calls themselves a part of this family, that we will do everything we can to make sure that our spouses, that our, our spouses and those that are, that are single, that are here, that are women, they'll have a chance to go because what a great weekend it's going to be. I pray you for those that are leading and, and preparing for that weekend. Now bless us as we leave this place. May we be different. Because we are different. 
because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now may we go live it out in Jesus' name. Amen.